You're listening to The Green on Delaware Public Media. And I'm Tom Byrne. U.S. workers who belong to a union fell last year to 10 percent, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That marks only a slight decline from 10.1 percent a year earlier. But experts say if there was a year to expect the unionization rate to increase, it was 2023, which saw successful walkouts by Hollywood actors and writers, service employees, auto workers, and healthcare professionals. In Delaware, about 600 unionized cleaners secured a new contract following a November protest in downtown Wilmington. And workers at a Wells Fargo bank branch in Wilmington are also filing for a union election after Wells Fargo employees in Albuquerque, New Mexico, became the first at a major U.S. bank to unionize in decades. This week, Delaware Public Media's Kyle McKinnon sat down with Jake Rosenfeld, a sociology professor at Washington University, St. Louis, who recently wrote about labor union rates to talk more about union efforts and membership going forward. Jake, we're talking today about labor movements and unions. You recently wrote that the share of U.S. workers who belong to a union fell slightly to 10% in 2023 from 10.1% a year earlier. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And we'll get to this more in a bit, but considering the year unionization efforts had, and I'd say that's a little surprising, even if we are just talking about a 0.1% drop. You did say, though, that you're not necessarily shocked by the minute decline. So let's start there. What do you make of the figures we're talking about coming off of the, the big union unionization year we just saw? So, yeah, the 2023 numbers that just came out indicated a very slight decline down to just around 10 percent. And we've been hovering right around 10 percent for five to six years now. Um, but as you noted, right, 2023 was supposed to be the year of labor. We had high profile successful strikes in Hollywood auto, among auto workers and others. Uh, we had that high profile near strike with UPS workers that ended in an extremely generous contract. We've had survey after survey now indicating very high levels of public support for unions in general, kind of the highest levels in over half a century and support for some of the ongoing labor actions in particular. And then importantly, in terms of the organization rate, we have the continuation of new organizing drives at companies like Starbucks and Trader Joe's. So on the one hand, if there was ever a time to believe uh, that we'd see a real increase in the unionization rate, it was last year. Uh, but we didn't. Um, and I think that stalled growth points to just the enormous difficulty in organizing at scale in the private sector in this country. And when we say 2023 was full of successful unionization efforts that, you know, that might be putting it lightly. Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and you wrote about this. Um, the AFL-CIO is the nation's largest labor federation comprised of 60 unions. Uh, Liz said of 2023 that it's the year of labor. We saw walkouts by Hollywood actors and writers that got a ton of eyeballs. You mentioned, I think you just mentioned Starbucks and, and, and UPS. There was also Trader Joe's that was successful too. But um, can, you, can you tell us more about that that year of labor, though, and, and why we saw so much successful and somewhat simultaneous labor organizing? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and we're still sifting through some of the evidence. But we do know that successful labor actions tend to prove contagious. Uh, and so a, a strike victory in one industry in one place sends a signal to other organized workers and other unions out there that now maybe is the time to strike and to gain uh, substantial increases in wages and benefits. And you also had the backdrop um, of a very strong economy. 
Uh, and what that does is provide workers some cushion uh, to take risks at the workplace, whether that means joining a new unionization drive or walking out, you know, striking among already organized workers, uh, risks that aren't as that uh, wouldn't be as substantial, uh, given that there were, you know, other outside employment opportunities compared to periods of an economic downturn. I'm interested in coming back to that, but in terms of well, let's break down why all that successful labor organizing in 2023 didn't boost the the growth of workers who belong to a union. Our economy grew by 4.9 percent in the third quarter of last year and gained three million jobs over the course of all of last year. You wrote that when the overall labor force grows, unions must recruit new members just to maintain the prior union unionization rate. So can you can you walk us through that and the impact of our workforce growth? So somewhat paradoxically, a kind of red hot economy means that unions have to organize more workers mm. this year than last simply to maintain its unionization rate. Uh, so you can kind of uh, do a thought experiment, pretend you had an island nation at, in 2022 at 100 workers and 10 of them belong to a union, 10% unionization rate. Uh, let's say that an uh, island economy uh, grew to uh, 110 workers the next year in 2023. To maintain that 10% unionization rate, now unions must organize 11 workers. Now, scale that up. In 2023, our economy added about 3 million new jobs, uh, meaning that in order to maintain last year's unionization rate, unions would have to organize hundreds of thousands of extra workers. Wow. Uh, and they did, but they didn't do quite enough to maintain to match the overall growth in the labor force. I've read that private unions tend to focus on job security and wages, while public unions are more centered on improving work conditions. I'm curious, is that accurate? And also, how do union like membership rates break down between the private and the public sectors? Like, What does that look like? Sure. I'll take that second part first. There's a massive divergence. And when you think of organized labor in the U.S., you want to think of it as two different dynamics. First is the private sector, where the unionization rate is actually far lower than our overall unionization rate. It's about 5 to 6% right now. And that's a century level low. Uh, and it's important to keep in mind that you know 85 to 90% of the workforce works for a private sector firm. In the public sector, government employees, teachers, firefighters, cops, and the like, the unionization rate is right around um, a third, 33% or one in three public sector workers belongs to a union. Uh, so when we talk about the overall unionization rate and how low it is historically, it's really then a story of what's been happening in the private sector and the difficulties of organizing the private sector over time. Now, in terms of whether what, you know, private sector unions versus public sector unions tend to focus on, I wouldn't say there's as much as a, a discrepancy as as you described. For one thing, a lot of the major unions um, organize workers in both sectors simultaneously and oftentimes ask for the same things at the bargaining table. Interesting. Well, um, you know, then you also wrote about the stalled momentum piece of this and you just touched on it a bit ago. We know it can be incredibly difficult to maintain these labor movements. The repercussions for workers, as you again said earlier, for workers who join unions are very real. It's a massive commitment. Those repercussions are, aren't quite the same as they were in the past, but they're still very real today. Is there any way to get past the stalled momentum piece of this? It seems like something that's always just going to it's always going to you know exist in some form and, and inadvertently or advertently hold back labor unions and you know movements. Yeah, that's a great question and a very difficult one to kind of um, 
work through, you know, in the United States, if you want, if you're an or a union organizer and you want to organize Starbucks, for example, or Walmart, uh, you don't simply sit down with the CEOs of those companies and then take a vote of all Walmart workers or all Starbucks workers. Um, you have to go store by store by store. Every single one of those uh, battles is oftentimes incredibly contentious and very costly. Uh, and you're talking about when you're talking about Starbucks, you're talking about a dozen workers, maybe up to 20 in a you know real uh, popular location. But that's not enough to, to move the dial unless you can aggregate that uh, with wins after wins after wins. Um, and that's the break that labor has yet to quite catch in the private sector. The Starbucks campaign, I think, is very illustrative here. Over 300 Starbucks um, have voted to organize. And I think what union organizers and supporters behind them were hoping was that that would spread like wildfire. And it did for a little bit, but then it got bogged down. The company fought back. And what's really important here, uh, as I note in the piece, is that not one of those Starbucks has successfully negotiated a contract. And that's what you really need, I believe, um, for a unionization drive to really catch growth and to really take off. Uh, because it it convinces non-union workers that the risks of an organizing campaign might be worth it when you can wave that union contract around. And companies know this, and that's why they fight against it so hard. In today's political climate, people associate or seem to associate the Democratic Party as supporters of unions. That was not at all always the case if you zoom out um, at the history of, of, of unions and, and politics. But you know, when we when we see big years like 2023 or just this the shift in labor um, union membership, do we see that kind of go hand in hand with who is in political office or who is the controlling party uh, at a national level, let alone a local one? Do we see that as a as a hand in hand shift, or are those not related or as much related as people might think? Yeah, it's a great question. I think they are related. Uh, certainly, um, you know, really since FDR, the Democratic Party has been the party more associated with organized labor uh, compared to the Republican Party. And we saw it last year. Uh, president Biden is the first sitting president to actually walk a picket line. Uh, he did so in the UAW auto workers strike. Um, and it was telling that the what looks like to be the nominee on the Republican side also visited a, a auto workers plant during that strike. But it was a non-union plant. Uh, and that gives you, a, I think, a you know, a real sense of how the parties align when it comes to support for organized labor in the U.S. And part of the kind of successes that organized labor has had over the last couple of years, and they've been real, even if they've not really translated into substantial increases in the overall density rate, has to do with personnel changes in the administration changes that we tend to see during Democratic administrations compared to Republican ones. Well, let's wrap up then. You, you write that without any changes to the nation's labor laws that get more employers to bargain in good faith and to do so speedily, it's reasonable to expect to see companies continue to delay and disrupt attempts to negotiate. As a result, even another very good year for labor won't translate into substantial gains in the ranks of union members. So, Jake... What do you expect in the year that is 2024? We're always seeing some uh, unionization efforts make headlines to start this year. But, you know, what do you expect um, from this year? And, and, and essentially just going forward, are we going to see potential steps forward or 
upstanding pat, which seems to be the case. Yeah, I know it can sound like a very pessimistic take, but I would, you know, I would say the standing pat is probably the most likely scenario. Um, having studied this issue and organized labor's attempts to kind of grow for a long time, I think absent something substantial in the set of laws that govern collective bargaining in the private sector, it is just pretty insurmountable to make major gains. That said, even maintaining the status quo, I think, um, uh, uh, is is pretty impressive, given all the the kind of tools that employers have to fight off organized labor in private sector firms. Thanks to Washington University St. Louis sociology professor Jake Rosenfeld and our Kyle McKinnon for joining us on The Green this week. Next up on The Green, a look at why allergies may seem worse this year in Delaware. This is The Green on Delaware Public Media.